say these were good reports this morning, weren't they? Lots of good ministry and reaching out to our neighbors last week, and that's what it's all about as we share Jesus and minister in his name. Hey, won't you take your Bibles this morning? If you didn't bring a Bible, grab a pew Bible in front of you. Maybe you pull up your scripture on your mobile device. And we're still in Paul's letter to the church of Gala- to the churches of Galatia. So Galatians chapter 4, the very last verse, and then we'll move into chapter 5. I've been telling you uh, all along as we've looked at this sermon series on what's in your gospel, that one of the reasons that Paul wrote this letter to the churches of Galatia is because there were some people there who said, you've got to become Jewish before you can follow Jesus. You've got to follow all of the Jewish law. If you're male, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to go through all of these ritualistic expectations of being Jewish before you can be a Christian. So, part of what's in our gospel is Paul is saying to the Galatians, hey, there's a freedom that you have in Jesus that you don't have to do all these things. And out of love, you're able to serve one another without all of these restrictions of the Jewish faith. So we're going to start in chapter 4 with verse 31. And let me just give you a little background here. In the middle of chapter 4 of Galatians, Paul's giving an allegory, or kind of like a sermon illustration. And he's telling the story of Abraham. And you remember Abraham had a wife, Sarah, and they were not able to have children together. Then Abraham had a slave wife named Hagar. And they had a son, Ishmael. And later, Sarah, who thought she was barren and unable to have children, she and Abraham had a son, a free son, named Isaac. So in this scripture, Paul is contrasting the two. And he's saying, because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross, you're not children of the slave woman, Hagar. You are children of the free woman, Sarah. And you need to live into that freedom. So that's why he writes in verse 31, Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, speaking of Hagar. We are children of the free woman, speaking of Sarah. Then, chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery or a yoke of bondage. Again, speaking of being in bondage to having to follow all of the ritualistic uh, regulations and expectations of the Jewish law. Verse 2, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law, and remember we said that to be justified means to be made right with God or to be approved by God. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness or being made right with God for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself, or your translation may say, working itself through love. Then go down to verse 13. 
you, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom as an occasion, maybe your translation says an opportunity, to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, and here Paul's quoting from Leviticus 19, 18, love your neighbor as yourself. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord, and together let us say, thanks be to God. Okay, I want to find out something this morning. How many of you in this room are space junkies? You like, you like stuff dealing with outer space? Okay. How many of you grew up, oh, I'm going to date you now. How many of you grew up in the Mercury space age? Remember the Mercury spaceships? How many of you remember the Gemini spaceships? Okay. How many of you remember the Apollo spaceships? How many of you were not born when any of that happened? Yeah, yeah, there's some of you out there. That's exactly right. Do you realize that this month is the 50th anniversary of the landing of the first two men on the moon? It happened 50 years ago. The eight-day journey from Earth to the moon took place in July of 1969. It fulfilled the challenge to the nation that was made by President John F. Kennedy to land a man on the surface of the moon and safely return him to the earth. And it happened with two men, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. And you remember they were on the lunar excursion module and it was called the, that's right, the Eagle, the Eagle. And it landed at, anybody remember where it landed? Tranquility Base on the moon. And while they were on the moon, do you remember Michael Collins was orbiting the moon on the command module that was called Columbia. Columbia. So the Columbia and the Eagle. So, you know, I was on the edge of my teenage years when all this happened. And so when I saw that several documentaries were going to be made, have been made and were going to be shown on TV this month, one of which has already been shown that I watched, and this particular one that I watched had live uh, audio and video footage that had never been seen before. I mean, I knew I had to watch that. And I mean, it had live footage of the astronauts getting dressed getting into a van, driving several miles. It showed them in the elevator, going up the elevator. I forgot how many stories high up to the top of the, of the uh, command module, and it showed them getting in, all of this audio communication between Florida at the Kennedy Space Center and then in Houston at Mission Control between the astronauts that had never been heard before and some things about the landing of the Eagle and the moon surface. I mean, man just chills went up my spine again, just remembering some of that stuff as a kid. But the thing that really struck me about the documentary was the fact that there was more than just one launch pad or launching point. You know, the big launch was, of course, at Kennedy Space Center, where the rocket takes off and it sends them into Earth orbit. But what I became aware of 
is that there were several multiple launches that had to take place in order for this mission to be successful. You know, the lunar excursion module had to separate and come back and dock with the command module. Then they had to launch out of Earth orbit and head towards the moon. Then they had a launching into lunar orbit, and then the Eagle had to separate from the Columbia command module and had to launch to the surface of the moon. And then after the moonwalk, the big launch. What would happen if that lunar module didn't take off from the surface of the moon? I mean, I mean, you know, I remember being really nervous about that. And watching that documentary, I still was nervous. It, was, that, was, that lunar, was that eagle going to take off again? And it did. And then, of course, the launch out of the lunar orbit back to Earth. There were multiple launches that took place. And if, if one had not happened, the next one would not have happened. And we wouldn't be celebrating 50 years later the landing of the first two men on the moon's surface. Well, you know, in this text this morning, you wouldn't have picked it up from reading the Scripture. You've got to dig a little bit to find it. But in the Scripture this morning, uh, go back to verse 13 with me. Paul is saying that what's in our gospel, that there's a launch pad, that there's a starting point for our gospel. Because in verse 13 it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity or an occasion to indulge the sinful nature. The Greek word for opportunity or occasion, would you believe it? Means launch pad. How about that? Don't use your freedom as a launch pad or an, or an opportunity or a starting point to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, use it as a launch pad. Use it as an opportunity to serve one another in love. The launch pad, the starting point of what's in our gospel is that God gives us freedom, not to focus so much on ourselves all the time, but to focus and to serve others. And you just heard all these people standing up here talking about how the focus last Sunday was on others and not ourselves. You go back to verse 6, and Paul writes, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself or working itself through love. That, that word in the Greek is where we get our English word energy. Our faith gets energy as we work itself out in love. All of us have household appliances at home, right? We got household appliances, we've got elect electronic gadgets and devices all over the place. We got refrigerators, dishwashers, washing machines, dryers, computers, printers, televisions. Look in this room. Lights, projectors for the screen, computers that you can't see, air conditioning that's running, praise God from whom all blessings flow. In 95 degree weather that feels like 105. You know, all these devices would be totally worthless if they were not energized by electricity. They wouldn't do us a bit of good. And our faith 
is energized by our loving service to other people. James, uh, in, the, in his letter, puts it this way, faith without works is dead. It's useless. So what is it that energizes our faith? It's the freedom that we have in Christ, not to focus on ourselves, but to focus on others and to do so with love. It's the love that energizes our faith. Now, you know, it's possible, and Paul was dealing with this in Galatians, and it's still a reality today. It's possible for us to misuse our freedom in Christ. And we can misuse it, you know, in a couple of ways. One way we can misuse it, and Paul was very much aware of this with the Galatians, is that we can actually fool ourselves into thinking that we gain God's approval by how good we are. You know, all of us want to please people in our lives. We, we've got certain folks we want to please. It may be a boss or a supervisor. It may be a spouse. It may be parents. It may be children. It may be brothers or sisters, a neighbor, a work colleague. We all have people that we want to make happy and we want to please. And, you know, some of that can kind of carry over into our relationship with God. Sometimes we think we have to do enough to please God to earn his favor, to be approved by him. And the reality is, and this is what Paul was dealing with with the folks at Galatia, you can't do enough to be good to please God, to make him happy. It's what God has already done for you in Jesus. So sometimes we misuse our freedom and in fact lose our freedom by trying to please God. But the other reality is that sometimes we misuse our freedom because we think that the freedom is designed all for what we want and what we need. It's all about me. I can do anything I want to because Jesus has freed me, and if I do something he doesn't like, he'll forgive me anyway. I need to let the focus be on me, and I don't need to focus on other people. That's a misuse of our freedom, too. You know, sometimes I think we Americans have to be really careful. Sometimes our... Jesus' values conflict with our American values. Let, let, let me explain to you what I mean. You know, we live in a country that's very individualistic in orientation. It, it's all about my individual rights and freedom as an American. And on many occasions, we get hung up on those freedoms. So, you know, and, and we hear this all the time, and, and it can go uh, 360 around, I mean, you just pick the issue and you'll hear people talk about my individual freedoms. You'll hear people say today, hey, health care is an individual right that we all deserve individually. Or you'll hear people talk about their Second Amendment rights. Hey, it is my right to bear arms and nobody can take that from me. Or people will talk about their First Amendment rights. Hey, it's my right to be able to say anything I want to say Free speech, that's my right. Just pick the subject or the issue, and people today are talking about, hey, these are my rights, these are my freedoms, and you can't take them away. But sometimes that conflicts a little bit with the values of following Jesus. Because the values of following Jesus are not individualistic in orientation, they're community in orientation. I get my freedom not to take care of me, I get my freedom in Jesus to lovingly serve you. And we follow the model of Jesus. He gave up his rights 
He gave up his freedom and went to the cross and lovingly cared for his neighbor, you and me, and that's the model we're called to follow. You, you know, one of the things I've learned about being a Christian is that when you become a Christian, you're going to find this surprising. You really can do anything you want to. Did you know that? When you become a Christian, you can do anything you want to. But your want to's change. Your want to's become more aligned with the want to's of Jesus. And the model that he set for us is one of giving up his self freely in loving service. Jesus truly followed Leviticus 19.18. He loved his neighbor as he loved himself. I want to show you a quick video here of a great example of a little girl who freely gave up herself and her time and her energy in loving service to some neighbors in a nursing home. A simple question has become a national movement. Here's Steve Hartman on the road. At a nursing home in northwest Arkansas, we found a gem named Ruby. As we first reported in March, 11-year-old Ruby Chitsy likes to go to work with her mom. Amanda is a nurse who travels to several nursing homes in the area. And it was on one of those visits that Ruby started going up to residence with her notepad. If you could have any three things, any three things, what would they be? What would you want? She came up with this idea of these questions? Yes. Mm -hmm. With the intention of what? I don't think she had an intention, really. Ruby says she was mostly just curious what they'd say. Were you surprised? Yes, I was very surprised. I thought people would say, like, money, houses, Lamborghini. But instead, here's what she got. Electric razor, new shoes, Vienna sausage, for some reason, a lot of people asked for Vienna sausage and other really basic items. Like, that's all they wanted. And I really decided that I needed to do something. So she started a charity called Three Wishes hey, for Mary. Ruby's Residence. I'm going to sit right beside you. Now, while her mom is caring for patients, cheese. Ruby goes room to room. I love mm -hmm. cheese. I do too. Jots down wishes. Avocados. And then sets out to grant those wishes. Thank you, sweetheart. You're welcome. Ruby has a GoFundMe to cover costs. But again, no one is asking for a sports car here. Her expenses are minimal, especially compared to the rewards. It really lifts you. It really does. On this day, she came back with a wheelchair full of sausages and other grocery items. You have this huge chocolate pie that you can eat all by yourself. But make no mistake, this isn't about food. Watermelon and oranges. No one has this kind of reaction over fresh fruit alone. It's okay. Thank you so much. I can't believe you. Whether she knows it or not, Ruby is satisfying some much more basic human needs here. To be remembered, to be cherished, especially by a child. That is what our seniors are truly hungry for, and that is what Ruby brings every time she sets foot in a nursing home. And now, it's not just her. Since we first told this story, Ruby has helped start chapters of her charity in other states. She speaks to advocates for the aging. And of course, she is still very much hands-on. 
proving no one needs a Lamborghini. You know, I'm a hugger. When they've got home delivery mm -hmm. of all the happy they can handle. Steve Hartman, On the Road, near Harrison, Arkansas. That's how it's done. That is the CBS Evening News. I'm Maurice Dubois. Have a great weekend. Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's what true freedom is all about.